0: Okay, welcome to Big Knowledge of Everything. Uh, this week we had a very special guest on to talk to us, uh, and it was really, really fun. And because he only had uh, about an hour, um, we wanted to maximize his time talking and leave our asides and other stuff mostly uh, for a different time. Oh, and it- this is the time. So, uh, yeah. So, I so we do we do introduce uh, how I met Ken and all of that. But uh, just to give you some background if you're coming to this podcast wondering what it's going to be uh there the guest that we had on uh well we had two guests on but the the guest we had on to be interviewed uh was um ken birdwell and he was one of the creators of half-life steam who's one of the original uh creators of the Sorry, a Valve, uh, which is a game company. So, uh, basically, someone that I knew from a different context, and I didn't realize that he was a really big deal, apparently, <laughs> uh, in the gaming industry. So, so we brought him on to talk about video games, and we talked, uh, we talked quite a bit about Half Life because it's been one of the video games that he worked on that is the most well-known, but he's worked on a bunch of them and he also did a lot of hiring at Valve. And so what we'll go over in this is sort of what, uh, what education, what kind of experience people should get if they want to be game designers, uh, what different aspects of the job are like. And, uh, Just a bunch of other little things. And it was just a really fun time talking to him. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was great. Uh, But we wanted to talk a little bit beforehand about just that experience. And then we have another announcement for our podcast as well.
1: Uh, So, yeah. And then also, so we had a guest on and we had a special guest appearance from Griffin, who's here for his first time on the podcast and who we had to mute pretty early into the podcast. Because as soon as he was like, yeah, I'm Ken and I like develop steam and valve and all this stuff. Griffin's eyes became saucepans or saucers.
2: What were the phrases? I, and
1: he, we had to mute because he was like, what the
0: fuck?
2: I, <laughs> I was... Like shook geeking out pretty hard because going into this, all I knew was like Rosie knows this guy. He worked on well. First of all, um, you guys got it wrong and said he worked on Halo, which
0: I did get it wrong. I love Halo, it's, <laughs> which right. is what I originally thought. Very uh,
2: cool. I, um, uh,
0: okay, what I remembered was it's a video game that starts with H, and I was like Halo, Halo, maybe very um, different. But
2: Half Life also is very cool. So like you know, um, knowing everything that goes into like kind of like all the different facets of game design having, you know um, I briefly mentioned this in the episode, but like having considered getting into it myself when I was younger, um, uh, like I kind of have an idea of like what all the facets were. So when Rosie said, you know, my friend just helped create half light, half life. I was like, Oh, so he could have, I did like, not
0: know. the extension. Yeah.
2: Any number. I of did not things. realize. And it. then, so when he started introducing himself as all these things, I, was losing it <laughs> because I was like, this guy's a big, like, oh, it, sorry, in gaming, <laughs> in, in the circle of things that I am interested in, this guy's a big deal. Like, this guy, like, made iconic things that are huge that millions of, like, not, not even millions, million, of people still use to this day. <laughs> like, the amount of users on Steam probably numbers in the millions, if not the billions. And so, so like,
1: yeah, the first I, ten- was,
2: I was a little... I was a little shook.
1: <laughs> what does Trixie Mattel say? Shook, shocked, gooped, scooped, and pooped. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, so yeah, the first ten minutes is just basically us. Three. Like
0: twenty-one million users on Steam currently. Yeah. As, well, sorry, as of September of last year, I think it said. Yeah. Well, that's probably way higher now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's
1: yeah. True. The first ten minutes was probably just all of us being like, "Oh shit, you're like a bfd dude," and he's like, "Yes, yes, I am."
0: <laughs> yeah, he like he talked a little bit about it in that like we were uh, like going back and forth in like Instagram messenger. Um, and, and I started to realize like, Oh, he's a much bigger deal than I thought I, than I even realized. Um, and I kind of just decided to not relay that. Like, so I knew more of that going into, but I was like, it would be really fun to see like Griffin's reaction when he <laughs> sees this. So I can put into context, like how I should be, Feeling. I, I suppose we had
1: to pause it because Ken was still introducing himself, and Griffin's looking at me like, Are you hearing this? right now? And I was like, ah. I
2: had, I had, that was, as Rosie and Hope both know, I have a, a really bad habit of interrupting I people and things, but I, that was so hard for me because I had to hold my tongue so much <laughs> that I couldn't freak out. And I, yeah. it, it was, I think the worst thing was having a time limit because I couldn't just like, completely have, like, this huge conversation yeah. about it, but uh, yeah.
0: I, I feel like it was like if I had been like, hey, Hope, so I know this person, and they're a drag queen, and then we had, like, Trixie Mattel on, oh, and she, okay. like, could only sit by the side and just, like, occasionally ask a question. Like, We're I feel like, like that's right. what that...
2: Would be like, or be like, Oh yeah. Hope I know this like therapist. You might've heard her. I don't know. And then, and then Brene Brown, Brown like shows up, oh, you know, my God. Brown, yeah. or if I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I know this lady who does like performance art. And then Eliza shows up like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I freak her, out. Like, we brought you the, we brought you Romulo's in Cleveland. <laughs> that was us. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so so I I definitely, like, I started to realize as he was talking about what he did, and as I started looking up, like, Valve, the company, and reading articles about Half-Life, I was like, this is, this is more than I, than I realized, this is cool, and then I went to play the game, and it's, like, in the opening credits, I was like, I know that person, like, and I looked at, like, there's, so, so actually, if you, this is a really cool thing, if you go in, um, so if you're in the half-life game there are a couple places where you can actually um, hear his name and places where you can see his name like there's there's times where you hear people talking about Dr. Birdwell oh. um, so, that, so that's him and then there's other times like there's one where, where you first have to go get the suit on in, in half-life the half-life one uh, you go past a locker that has his name on oh. it which is cool but I was like noticing all this stuff and I was like he must have been more important than I realized yeah. because like his name's showing up a lot here and then you started like name dropping people, and you were like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I'm sorry." I I definitely didn't realize like that it was just like Gabe Newell had come and been like, "Hey, let's go make a company." You know, like yeah. I didn't realize he was in it that he, level, so it was a big.
2: He was saying shift. that, and I was like, "I'm sorry." He just casually <laughs> worked with Gabe Newell, like the Valve dude, like the guy, like. You you guys don't understand. Like there, it the, was a really long-standing joke among like gamers and the internet. Like probably circa like two thousand eight, two thousand ten, like two thousand twelve. Like a while like, ago. Yeah, I mean, like right, it was like a couple years after Half Life two had come out. You know, so it was people were getting antsy. They were like, "When's Half Life three coming out?" But then it eventually got to the point where it was so long that like there was still no. Sign or no news of Half-Life 3 that it just became like a running joke on the internet. Like, uh, you know, like Leo's going to get his first Oscar before Half-Life 3 happens, <laughs> which it did. Uh, or like, you know, like these long standing things that like still hadn't happened were going to happen before Half-Life 3 or like. And like any time there was any announcement from Valve, any time there was like E3, which is like big gaming news announcement conference. Oh, yeah. uh, anytime like Valve did anything. Everyone, I mean, everyone on the internet was like, Half-Life 3, Half-Life 3. Is Half-Life 3 coming out? (laughs) Gabe, where's Half-Life 3? Um, And yeah, and there's tons of memes and like everything.
0: And um, and just to interject uh, for our listeners who might be here because they're excited about hearing about that part of it. um, I'm just going to let you know in advance that uh, he, that, that Ken is retired uh, and he cannot talk about any of the current uh, Valve projects that are going on, and it's not going. We're not dropping new info, I guess no. is is what I'm saying. <laughs> we're, not- um, we're We're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're talking about uh, like video game design, and Half Life comes into it, and definitely his experience at Valve is a huge part of that as well. Uh, but this is all the. it's it's the opinions of someone who was retired from the community. And he wanted to make sure that I didn't, uh, yeah, that we didn't present it as if he was endorsing things or speaking on behalf of Valve. You so,
2: even if he could, I got the vibe he wouldn't. Can you uh,
0: imagine if, well,
1: if so. the drop? Well, I don't think that was on this podcast they either. If the drop was <laughs> oh just like, God. "Oh, by the way, Half Life Three is coming out." Bye,
2: <laughs> Rosie. You'd have millions of listeners overnight. <laughs> I'm A not. Million, be,
0: million, not like it would be the meanest thing to just title this Half Life Three. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my that god! That would be
2: cruel, Rosie.
0: That would be cruel. I don't think I'm going to do that. Oh, I think that would be too cruel. And
2: that's the other thing is that, video games
0: like, and horses.
2: <laughs> yeah, and well, then the other thing. It is. Yeah, the other thing is that just like it, you know, we we talk about Half Life, but the, this episode isn't entirely about it. Because I, mm-hmm. I know sometimes when I listen to podcasts or when I see, like, an episode and it's titled, like, like video games, or if you, like, titled this, like, Half-Life, you know, mm-hmm. I would have, like, I would expect yeah. it to be, like, a be F, like, this section, you know, yeah. talking entirely about it. So, there yeah, there is that.
1: I am real mad that I only just now thought about the fact that the game I played growing up when I was little was Barbie's Horse Adventure. And this guy is into both video games and horses. And I didn't think to ask him about Barbie's <laughs> Horse Adventure. <laughs> Dang it! Well...
0: Well, hey, this maybe this will become something where we do a couple of them because, because uh, as we kind of say at the end, we we really did come up with a lot more questions at the time. Like, as I was thinking about what questions to ask, I didn't have a great uh, framework in mind of what like what would even be a good question. So at this point, I think that we all have enough of a background that we can come up with some better questions. So hopefully, we can uh, yeah. have him on again and. And that would be fun. But yeah, I
1: so appreciated all the talk you did about the creative process and how it's good to not be specific at one thing because I think that's something that people get hung up on. They're like, I need to find my yes. thing and I need to be good at it and I need to be the best at it and I need to beat everybody else out. And he's saying, like, that's not how you succeed. You need to have what he calls, like, the T method of like, skills where you're good at like one thing and another thing and another thing which i have three things that i have done professionally and i'm like oh okay great i did that i'm good
2: (laughs) it's it it was very reassuring to hear something like that being a person who has a pretty like weird random assortment of skills but also at the same time yeah thinking about it it's also like okay i know i can do all these things how do i let a potential employer know that like how do i like how i can't put that on paper i can't put on paper that like
0: well yeah you can i
2: mean you can but like it's like how do i do that you know like with
0: a good editor that's how
2: i guess yeah i don't know
0: that's true yeah yeah we're getting a lot off topic here that's okay uh but i do before we uh wrap up this little session i want to uh i want to introduce our patreon because we have a patreon page Uh, so yeah it's pretty exciting, so I'm going to go to Patreon.com and I'm going to read out all of our
1: levels, here. things
0: that we have here, so that you can know. Okay, here
1: I'm. I Rosie told me this, and I was like, "Oh shit, we're a real podcast now. Look at us." Next up, we're getting t-shirts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well, you will be very excited to to see this. Then let me. Wow. So we have our Patreon page, uh, and I wanted to go over the different tiers of our Patreon page and uh, what people will get from those. Uh, So if anyone doesn't know by now probably most people do especially if you listen to a podcast uh that patreon is a place where you can go to give a little bit of money per month to help your creators that you like continue creating so if you're here we hope that we are creators that you like uh, and that you want to help us uh and you are helping us by just listening to the podcast so if you don't have any more money to add to that that is totally fine uh, but if you do have a little bit of money that you might want to kick in, uh, you can go to Patreon.com and search A Vague Knowledge of Everything. Uh, our pictures are all over the stuff, so you will be able to tell which one is <laughs> there if you go to our Instagram. Um, there isn't another one titled that. I just wanted to say that. Uh, so here are tiers. Uh, the first tier is Buddy. Uh, and that is uh, $3 a month. And that's for someone who just wants to pick it, pitch in a couple extra bucks and you will get a shout out in whatever episode happens right after you become a bunny. Oh. So that is what you will get. So for the price of like a latte a month, you can buy me or hope a latte a month, not both <laughs> of us, but one of us.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> that, uh, can I, can I ask something real quick? Sure. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. Can that one be yeah. a instead? Cause that's what we
0: call each other. Yes, that one could be... Well, yes. Yeah, I suppose that one could be Bay if I can fix it. We'll see. So it's either going to be Buddy or Bay, whatever it is when you get there.
1: Because when... Uh, Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, we've got four more levels here. Um, So the next level is Badass Bitches. Yeah. Um, The Badass Bitches also get a personal uh, shout out on the podcast because... We love you. And uh, you will also get access to bonus episodes, which isn't necessarily going to be like just more podcasts or whatever. It might be like a video of me like doing something and being like, this is how you do this or whatever it is. You know, like it might be a little mini soda of us talking about something else that wasn't long enough for the podcast. Um, it's all stuff we we're going to figure out. Self-care tips, yeah. therapy
1: tips from the week, stuff I've learned in social work that week. Fun. stories go.
0: Cause there's four cats yeah. between us. There are, and actually, the cats will come in later okay. as well. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so then the next, uh, the next tier, and this is the last tier before you get any merch. Um, but the this tier is fifteen dollars a month. This is the Sleigh Queens. Uh, in honor of our matching mugs that say Slay Queen. Uh, so you will also get access to those bonus episodes, the patron shout out, and uh, you will also get access to, it'll be a monthly AMA. And I have never done one of those on Patreons, but on Patreon, But if we get anyone in that category, we will do them, yeah. um, the category or, or above. And that's, that's where you get to ask us about the podcast. And maybe it's a time you can suggest stuff to us, et cetera, that kind of thing. Uh, Then our next level is podcat. Uh, Speaking of our cats. uh, So our cats love to hang out out with us when they sorry when we're recording. Uh, They love to support the podcast, but they don't have thumbs. So they can't do a lot. Uh, So so we named this level after them, because uh, if you are going to be at this level, then you will be very close to us uh, in our hearts, much like our cats are. (laughs) Uh, What you will get for that is the bonus episodes, the monthly AMAs, and the patron shout out. Uh, Then also behind the scenes content is something I put in. I'm not sure what that will be, but we can figure that out. It's
1: just probably Um, bloopers of you and I like cackling about something.
0: That's true. That's (laughs) probably what that would be. Uh, and then uh, then this also... Uh, so this is the first of the two levels where you would get merchandise. Uh, and the reason that it's only on those two levels is because... Uh, it's just because of the price point of the merchandise. So that's what that is. Um, but for $25 a month, uh, you every three months will get something of our merch that we have put on the calendar. Um, so right now what we have, this is for like the first year, (laughs) Um, it is, the first one you'll get will be a mug. Uh, and that has the Vague Knowledge of Everything logo on it. Uh, the second thing you would get after six months is a tote bag, which has a cool, like, cartoony uh, picture of me and Hope that I put what? through a program to make us look all all weird. It's after we got haircuts that one time. Oh, and so yeah. we both have, like, hair that looks good and we have, like, good facial expressions. <laughs> I had to go back a little bit to find a picture that was, like, good for both of us. <laughs> uh, there's also one from my wedding, but... yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, then the the next thing you would get would be a sticker, um, and the and I know that that seems silly, but like they have a certain amount of things you can Brilliant. pick from. Everybody so the stickers, stickers. That's True. Everybody loves stickers. You can put it on your laptop, like I put all of mine. Um, and what that one that one has our logo on it, and it also has some of our catchier titles, like for example, monogamous in this economy. Um, so it could be a conversation starter. Uh, and then. Then there will be a long sleeve t-shirt, which I have not designed yet, but I think what it's going to be is it's, it will be a picture of the podcats or, like, pictures of podcasts. but we have to figure that That's out. That's so, so
1: smart because all yeah. four of them are so distinct looking. Like, yours look are. like sisters and mine look like sisters, but, like, all together, they're just different cats.
0: Yeah, and they're different colors. Wow. It's really cool. I feel like... Okay. Um, anyway, so, so, so there will be that. Um, and then... Uh, So that's the $25 a month podcast tier. Then our last tier is the fairy godparent. Um, That is $50 a month. Um, Anyone who feels like you want to be super generous to us and, uh, do this, we would just love you immensely throughout time. Um, You also will get the bonus episodes, the monthly AMAs, patron shout out, behind the scenes content. And then you would be a part of the the merchandise, which happens every three months. So that's that mug and then the organic tote bag, the sticker and long sleeve t-shirt. And then we'll also let you pick a topic uh, for each year that you were a uh, a fairy godparent Ooh. basically so that would be like when, when you first decide to become a fairy, fairy a fairy godparent <laughs> a fairy godparent um you'll be allowed to pick a topic and we will schedule that for some point in the next several months and then after you've been a fairy godparent for a year then you would get the chance to do another yo one. they're fairy so that's, that's good. they're fairy pod parents they're, oh they are i should I, I gotta change that <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna see if I can go change that to Fairy Pod Parrot. So there might be a little bit of a change when you get there, but yeah. So and so those are all of our tiers for our Patreon. Uh, and we would just be over the moon if anyone wanted to become a Patreon. So Okay, welcome to a vague knowledge of everything. I am Rosie. I'm Hope. And today, we have two
1: very special guests, one of which uh, our listeners have heard a little bit about already, but Griffin, would you like to say anything about yourself?
2: Uh, yes. Hello. It is me, the <laughs> famous or maybe infamous Griffin, uh, Hope's fiance.
0: This is my roommate, <laughs> Yeah, we live together.
2: I don't know if yeah. you guys knew that.
0: Anyway. Uh, and then our other special guest we have today is uh, is Ken Birdwell, who uh, is someone that I know from a completely different context than probably many people would know his name from. Uh, uh, we worked together on the Hawaiian Chieftain, which was, uh, well, it is a, a tall ship that uh, was based out of Washington State. And uh, it's similar to the boats that Hope and Griffin and I all worked on together. Uh, but this was about oh. Thirteen, maybe coming up to 14 years ago. Uh, so it was a long time ago. Uh, and the reason that I realized that I should have Ken on the podcast is because I had this brief flash of a memory uh, of, a, of us talking in a group uh, on one of the boats and uh, and someone asked him what he did. And then as he sort of expanded on it, I saw just like all of the, and it was, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but it really was all of the dudes in the room were like, oh my God, And like, suddenly I was like, is Ken a big deal? (laughs) Like, he he was, he he came to to volunteer on the ships and just like help us out. And he was, he was fantastic and just had a great attitude about everything. And, and I remember thinking like that, I was like, wow, he's, is he just like a really big deal? And we didn't realize that beforehand. But, (laughs) but yeah. So, uh, so Ken has been uh, working at valve games and uh, uh, which is very well. Okay. So I'll, I'm just going to let Ken introduce himself cause I'm rambling now.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, although that's true. Uh, the um, st- uh, was one the founded founding members of valve uh, back in 96 uh, did games called half-life and counter-strike and team fortress and Dota and, we have this little thing platform called steam uh that sells a couple of games um
0: wait is that part including... of Elf?
3: yeah that's ours oh, uh
0: yeah you just made 20 bucks off me because while i was uh <laughs> well i was yeah. doing research i i bought half-life and half-life 2 so i could play them on steam i didn't realize yeah. that <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah uh
3: yeah uh that's <laughs> ours uh uh well, yeah no um, um yeah that was a yeah yeah so, so i was there for uh uh, started. I, I worked uh, I worked with Gabe at Microsoft, and we were uh, we had a project there, and that didn't work out for a lot of really stupid reasons on Microsoft's part. Um, uh, they 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 told us that PCs were dead, oh. and that the internet was a fad, and uh, we had this idea that you could play games and talk with your friends and buy music and videos and all sorts of stuff on the internet. And, and we were told that was a bad idea. Uh, so at some point, wow. uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, we uh, a group of us decided to leave. And so, uh, Gabe Newell and, uh, Mike Harrington, uh, grabbed me and a bunch of other guys from Microsoft. And we said, what could we do? And Hey, let's start a video game company. Um, and so uh, we did. I remember that day, uh, the, our project at Microsoft was canceled. And I was working on my resume, uh, literally in the office. And uh, Gabe walks by and pokes his head in my office and says, I'm going to quit. Want to start a game company? <laughs> and history with me? Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, that would be way easier than finishing my resume. <laughs> um, and so that was my thought process, to be perfectly honest. And then, uh, and then we did um and that was in 96
1: wow yeah uh i want you to know that while you were talking we had to go on mute because griffin was yelling because he was like this guy's a
3: legend (laughs) yeah to
2: the to the point of rosie saying earlier like all the guys in the room freaking out like i well first of all when i heard that like i might get a chance to talk to like one of the designers of half-life i I, like kind of freaked out a little bit i was like that's really cool and then yeah, he was just describing everything he did, and I was losing my mind. <laughs> Your eyes got so big. Well, because all I knew, too... all I knew was that, like going into this, was that you were a designer of Half Life. I didn't know yeah. you were a founder of Valve and like Steam and stuff. Which
1: he talks about all the time. He tried to explain to me like, <laughs> "What's t- okay? Okay, so I brought this on because I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't." do any video games in my like from maybe like middle school on until Griffin and I started living together. Cause he brought all of his consoles and all this stuff with him. And I was like, what is all of this and why do you have it? And then it was video games. And I was like, okay, so I've like been slowly getting into video games and I was watching him play half-life today. And then he was playing it. And I was like, was this a popular game? And he was like, yeah, this is like a big deal. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And yeah. Now listening to this, I'm like, this is our first famous person we're having on our podcast.
2: Like I, yeah, I, for a really long time, probably like most throughout most of high school, my literal dream job was to go work at valve.
1: Oh! Like,
2: that that was what I wanted out of my life. And then I started sailing on tall ships.
1: I'm sorry, we interrupted left, already. So. But I just need to <laughs> let you know that Griffin had a full-blown conniption with the mic muted. No,
0: I, I, I think that's really good, actually, because, like, uh, just putting that in perspective is really good, because I think, like, uh, a big part of, like, me just stumbling upon this was, like, it was very much by chance, because I'm not someone who had played a lot of video games. Like, we didn't have them growing up. Um, I... I legit think one of my like last few experiences before like playing Half-Life on my computer in the last couple of weeks to, to familiarize myself was like playing duck hunt with like <laughs> the thing that it's the, the plastic, the controller that you shoot at the screen. That's like, you know, looks mm-hmm. like a gun. And, I, and it's something that I remember explaining to one of my assistants on Niagara. And she was like, are you messing with me? That doesn't sound real. <laughs> Which one so was like, that? Is- <laughs> yeah. So it's something I don't have a lot of background in, so it's really cool to, to learn about this stuff. So, yeah. But that's also part of the reason we got Brett Griffin on is to, like, contextualize it as well for us. So. And
1: because Okay. All right. It's also one of those things where, like, you're famous... <laughs> To a group of people, and like <laughs> Rosie was like, "This is a volunteer friend I have," and I was like, "Okay, cool." But like, if I had said to you, like, "We're gonna have Trixie Mattel on," I bet you'd be like, "Okay." And Rosie and I would be like,
0: like there's only a- so." <laughs> Trixie Mattel is a famous drag queen. She is.
3: <laughs> so, you know, there, there are so many <laughs> weird little subgroups, and and I, I totally get it. I usually. Th- it's great. I can go most places, and I can say what I do, and I get kind sort of vague nods, uh, and that's great. And then there's other places I go, and I'll I'll say what I do, and I get crazy fanboy yeah. reaction.
0: Um, yeah, my my, my brother-in-law uh, you know, definitely was really excited on my behalf, <laughs> and I was like, I need to get more excited and figure out. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm very excited to <laughs> have yeah, you yeah, on. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, yeah, no. I, I I tell most folks what I do, and they go, "Not yeah, that's that's oh, that's neat." And then and then they go home and they tell their kids, or they they go tell their relatives, and they come back and like, "Are you somebody famous?" And I'm like, "No, but you know, we did a bunch of cool stuff that that a lot of people really liked." And, I bet there's a lot of that people that goal. know
0: your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, so let's okay. So that yeah, it's one of those things
2: where like I, if okay, people know I, you. They know you,
1: but if people don't know you, it's like okay. yeah.
2: I like, I mean, yeah. it's f- as like as far as my experience, I Gabe Newell is a huge name. Everyone yeah. knows yeah. who Gabe Newell is, like who's a gamer. Like that's like, and there are a bunch of Gabe jokes about. Um, I, I'm sure you know yeah, the yeah. Half Life Three <laughs> jokes.
3: <laughs> oh, we we so. Part of one of the things we went in with uh, was a bunch of us were like, we don't want to be public face. We don't want to, we don't want to do that. Um, and we said, you know, Gabe, you have to do this. We're not going to do it. Uh, and so Gabe took on the responsibility and he's super good at it of interacting with the public and doing emails and doing interviews. Uh, and uh, he let the rest of us, you know, get on with our jobs and finish stuff up. Um, uh, Gabe is absolutely brilliant and he's brilliant at so many things and, uh, being the public face of valve, uh, which he took on, uh, and just, just did a fabulous job and still does. Um, he's just a visionary. So, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, okay. So that kind of covers one of my questions about how you got started and your previous experience, uh, at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's talk about half-life. Uh, so, Mm uh, so how, uh, how the game was developed is the first note I have down here. So, so what was the birth of Half-Life? Because it was clearly very, um, it was very impactful on the gaming community. It seems (laughs) everything I read says it kind of revolution revolutionized first person shooter.
3: Yeah. Um, the, how it started for us is we were playing, uh, doom. Uh, and we just got John Carmack's and Id's Doom and just thought it was amazing. And we talked a lot about it uh, at, at, at Microsoft because it was part of our design of like, this is how you're going to get people to play together. Um, and, uh, and so we, we had a bunch of ideas and theories about where this was going to go and what things were going to, you know, where you could take this sort of a game. Uh, and they were all theoretical. Um, and so when we eventually left and to go to do Valve, um, we didn't have a name for Valve yet, of course. We just left. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we had these theories of, of, of a bunch of stuff we were going to try. Uh, and then we spent probably a solid nine months implementing pieces of it um, and had various success and failures. And then um, at one point, uh, we just you know, it it was kind of stalled out. Um, And two guys there took basically everything we had done over the last nine months and shoved it into a map and just squeezed it down into this incredible experience uh, where it was just something was constantly happening. You were constantly going through puzzles and dialogue and, and all sorts of action. Um, And it revolutionized what, it, it, it clarified what we wanted to do mm-hmm. as a product, um, and so it was just a ton of different people coming at it from different, different angles, um, and some absolutely great hires. Um, our, our two favorite hires are uh, 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 Steve Bond and John Guthrie. These guys delivering pizza in Florida, um, and we just found them on the internet, and they were doing brilliant work. They didn't know it; they thought they were just having fun. <laughs> and Gabe and I and the rest of us looked at it and said, "No, these guys are brilliant." Um, brought him out. Um, they thought we were kidding and ignored us for a while, and then eventually they, you know, thought we were crazy and, but the right kind of crazy. Uh, and so we ended up hiring them, and those guys just completely uh, changed and clarified what we were all sort of half thinking, but hadn't put it into words yet. So that was Half Life.
0: Oh wow, that's yeah. Oh, so you were talking about hiring also. Um, yeah. what is the I suppose now we can we, we can talk a little bit about the um, the hiring process for that and like mm-hmm. has that changed and evolved? Like, is there is there like a set of things you'd want to see on a resume now, or is or is it just way more intuitive and you have to look at work that people have done and that kind of stuff? Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it does. So <laughs> it it depends. Um, it depends on what you're looking for. There's two, there's two phases of, of, of getting a job. First one is getting our attention. Um, and the best way to do that is you make a game. Um, there's nothing beats making a game. Um, I, I, I've, I've done this before, which is if I try to explain to somebody all of the horrible steps you have to do to ship a game, they think you're kidding and they want to argue with you. Um, and then if somebody's shipped a game... You don't have to tell them anymore, so it's a really easy hire. Um, I don't like hiring people who've never shipped a game, just because the process is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you've done it, you so, realize So when you're why. saying
0: shipping a game, that's
3: yeah, w- 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 it's finishing it, getting it ready okay. to put in front of customers, and it it it's there's a thousand little steps, and it's a really hard thing to do to get something finished to put in front of customers. And that process, uh, if you've gone through it, you you understand it. Okay. Yeah, hope. yeah.
1: Um, so this is really interesting talking to somebody who has also worked on boats. And I think you understand like the way a boat runs is factored on the personalities that you have on the boat. Um, I don't know if like the people who have hired me know this, but I'm pretty sure I was kept on for a long time because I'm very good at talking to people and I'm very good at like assessing emotions around everybody and like making sure we're all like feeling okay. And even if we're not feeling okay, we're feeling like civil enough to get work done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But whenever you're talking about hiring and stuff, are there like, because I think there's a stereotype around like gamers and like video game personalities. Is there, a wide variety of personalities that you need or like work ethics and ways of getting stuff done to make sure that you're making the best product possible or does that not really factor in when you're doing video game stuff?
3: Uh, it's critical, absolutely critical. Um, uh, there, there's there's folks who I know are, are super smart but they can't work in a group um, that doesn't work out. Uh, I'll take somebody who is maybe not quite as, as is talented but makes everybody around them better uh, that person is a multiplier um, and somebody who's a multiplier uh, th- we often talk about at least i do uh, mm-hmm. uh, people who are multipliers and people who are adders um somebody who adds value they do one thing really well um a person who's a multiplier makes everybody better um and that is that person is critical to success um And if you don't have the right combination of all those people, you're not going to ship. So you really want to hire a wide variety of people. And Valve has really succeeded by hiring really outside of its comfort zone. Um, One of the huge things about Half-Life was when we hired Mark Laidlaw. Uh, Mark is a writer, uh, never really worked on video games, hadn't much experience with it. um, And he came in and completely revolutionized how we developed games. Um, I don't think he knew it at the time, but for us, it was a total revelation, which was we had done a lot of Half-Life and had most of it done, but it was kind of a mess and sort of all over the place. It didn't really flow. And as a writer and an editor, he just came in and he said, oh, well, these pieces don't fit together in the right way, so I'm going to take your entire game and I'm going to reorder it. And when he did, it was... A ten times better game, um, and so it was just that 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 person who knows that this is a s- perfectly normal and safe thing to do, which is even if you have a bunch of ideas, they might not be in the right order, um, and also hiring people who you don't really know what their what their skills are. I've hired a ton of people who really didn't know how to use a computer, and <laughs>
1: that's crazy. That's
0: crazy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Um, It is crazy. Um, The the thing is, we learned a long time ago that we can teach you technical skills really easily. And I can teach somebody who's never used a computer a ton of technical skills in three months, six months. Uh, But what I can't teach you is creativity. I can't teach you aesthetic design. I can't teach you... Personal drive. I can't teach you work ethic. I don't know how to do that, but I can teach you technical parts. So, if I have somebody comes in and they have an amazing portfolio, but might have never really used a computer, it doesn't bother me because I know I can teach that part. Uh, But what I want is that vision, that creativity, uh, that that ability to get stuff done. And like I said, some of my favorite hires are people who had never really used a computer much. Um, I mean, they knew what one was, but. That's about I it.
1: I need that testimony in all creative writing programs <laughs> because I went to yeah. school for creative writing and the amount of times I hear like you're never going to amount to anything. What are you going to do with a writing degree? Like all this stuff, people don't need writers. But they hear that like a oh, writer revolutionized this very popular game. Yeah. warms my English major well, heart so much.
2: And, <laughs> and that's and that's one of the things that like I think a lot of people don't realize about what makes a good game good is that. You can have the best mechanics, you can have the best graphics, mm-hmm. you can have the most intense action, whatever, but if you don't have something to like keep it all together, if you don't have a good story, you're not going to have a good game, especially if you're making you know, a single player game. If, if you're making a single player game and it doesn't have any good story, it's no one's going to play it. It's going to be garbage. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the best games of the past few years, I mean, games like... You guys might not know these titles, but like Ken knows what I'm talking about. Games like God of War, games like Undertale, um, Red Dead, games like Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Um, those all are very story driven and they all have an excellent story with like lots of twists and turns and you put an emotional investment in. Um, yeah. Hope you experienced this because you saw like. <laughs>
1: I, I ruined a moment for Griffin. Can we do a sidebar real quick? Just because it's funny. Sure. Um, Griffin was playing Red Dead Redemption last year. And when I say playing, I mean like it was he was playing it all the time. (laughs) So I walked in. Okay, I'm gonna say this is a spoiler alert. If anybody has not finished Red Dead Redemption, just skip ahead a little bit. But he's getting to the part at the end when he's like, right, have you played Red Dead? Do you know what we're talking about? He's like riding down the trail and like you're going over his whole life because he's dying and like all this stuff is happening. And I'm It's sitting, this
2: very, very emotional moment. And in I'm the game. sitting
1: there being like, What's going on? Like I'm being the girlfriend and being like, What's going on in this game? Why is he dying? Why like what's going on? And Griffin apparently is like trying to keep his emotions in check because he really wants to like cry about
2: I'm it. like literally trying not to cry while like this <laughs> this moment in this video game is happening.
1: And I'm like, What's I, happening?
2: And I was like, I literally had to be like, yeah. Can you can you please leave? You,
1: you no, you please, said we like, either need to shut up or you need to leave.
2: Like, we can't do this right now. <laughs> I, I can't talk to you about this right now.
0: Yeah, that that was one of the things that actually really struck me about, like, playing Half-Life to try to, like, you know, get myself in the mindset was uh, that I wanted to know what happened further in, but I was like, I'm not good enough to get through the game at this point to know. So that's where the, the YouTube, uh, like here's the story comes in really well, because I was like, okay, I can get a little ways into this game, but it's gonna take me a while. So I actually went through uh, and I watched several like YouTube videos that tell you like the story of the Half-Life <laughs> franchise. And that helped really well because it is a really cool, compelling story.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in term- the, the, um, a, another great one. Yeah. Did, did Did you just play Portal? Oh uh, my god. Uh, <laughs> I um, haven't played. Uh, Portal. I highly recommend Portal. I have, I <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, what, one of the, the that was for me one of the craziest experiences because I had played what became Portal a bunch to get technical things working, and it was before there was any story. I mean, it was in a castle, and there were weird mushroom things i mean it was it was weird it was it didn't quite work um and then i didn't see it for maybe six months and i came back and and the writers had gone and all all of the acting and i suddenly played this i mean structurally it was the same game but it had a whole new layer and a whole new emotional tone to it uh and it was this huge revelation of just seeing the magic that a good writer can put on top of existing mechanics um just to make you feel emotionally compelled, and it was uh, I, I can't stress good writing enough and the sort of things that a good writer can bring to your game design. I mean, yeah, and
0: I, I think that counters the the feeling that people have about, especially the first person shooter games, like just encouraging violence because I think the ones with the storylines that are very compelling are actually not going to increase that in anyone at least at least not in me like i think it actually gives you a sense of empathy for the characters
1: yeah i really had to unlearn a lot of i'm still unlearning a lot of like video game stereotypes yeah, about like bias, all this yeah. all the bias stuff like <laughs> this causes like violence in boys which I, there is some merit when they're like really little but like as you're getting i don't know enough about video games to say anything about but, it is hope, what i'm learning
2: hope and i literally had the conversation today where like anytime. I, like, just because of all those, like, that negative press and those bad assumptions and stuff, like, anytime I hear anyone be like, well, maybe it's the video game. Like, Hope will be like, maybe, like, you're having a hard time falling asleep because you're, like, playing, like, she did say violent video games before bed, and I had, like, the knee-jerk reaction of, like, no, that's not true. Shut. Up. Like, because I'm so used to defending that. But what she was trying to say is, it it's stimulating. Probably just screen time. It's stimulating your brain so much you're having a hard time falling asleep. And like, yes, that's true. But
1: yeah, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be a
0: jag. Yeah,
3: I, yeah. It definitely gets the like, adrenaline pumping. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
0: Okay, so let's yeah. let's uh, let's talk about the the sort of nuts and bolts of designing video games and uh you could talk sort of about like the pro con uh that might be good for like maybe someone who wants to become uh, a game designer um because i think that uh and i I think i did message you a little bit about this about how i think that that some people maybe are interested because they think oh i'll just get to play games all the time and you know that's it's never generally the case uh when you get into something like that
3: I, I have to explain to folks that I've I've uh, I've never actually played Half Life or Half Life Two or any of our games. I think the first like um, I think the first game I ever played through all the way was Portal. Um, now, don't get me wrong, I've played portions of Half Life literally hundreds of times, multiple hundreds. I'll play one map until uh, like all the technical parts work, and, and a level designer or they're trying to do something. Complicated, or I'm working on an AI, or somebody's working on an AI and, and a bug needs to get fixed, or we need to tune something. And I'll play a portion of the game a hundred times uh, over and over and over again for a week uh, until it works like it's supposed to and it feels right. Um, and then I'll pick up the next bug, and I'll pick up the next technical problem. And there's these huge portions of the game that I've never seen. Um, uh, I, I know the characters don't get me wrong. And I've seen other people at, I finally watched somebody play it and I'm like, I didn't know that was in there. Um, and I even saw a few maps I had done of like, I didn't know that <laughs> shit. Um, uh, uh, cause oftentimes I'll do a map and I'm, I'm a programmer. I'm a, I, I do oops, art, but I'm, I'm not that talented. Uh, and so I'll, I'll hand it off to somebody and they'll finish it. Um, and they'll make it look pretty and they'll do mm-hmm. you know make make it really flow um, but I'll do the technical parts I'll do a rough map of just it'll be boxes and no textures and no lighting. Um, uh, and those parts get into the game in some form and but there's like the part before it and the part after it and all the other parts connect and the sound and the music and like I usually don't see any of that part until years later um, so when when you make a game, Uh, depending on how big the team is you might never play your game at least all the way through um and so it's you're going to be working on things that don't work uh and you only focus on the parts that don't work uh, because once it works you move on to another part that doesn't work and so if something goes really well in the game you might not see it um you know if you're one-man team you're you're just doing doing it yourself then then yeah but uh if you're on a team, it'll be a surprise when it ships. Uh, I usually only know our games from playtests. Uh, and playtests are, are critical. I, I can't stress a playtest enough. That, that, um, and that's,
1: that makes me really sad for you because I'm like, if you made this whole game, you don't get to play it. But being somebody who came from like a creative background, I'm, I get it We get to the point where you're like, I never want to touch this again. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I hate it. I don't want to look at it
0: so so tall ship cooks like there's a thing where people be like it seems like the cooks don't eat uh because we'll put the food out and then like maybe get a little bit but maybe not get any of it and it's just because like we're like ah eh, screw it like i'm gonna make a pb and j because i've been looking at this for way too long and it's not appetizing I, rosie gets to port and she's like i'm gonna go get a steak <laughs> like okay
3: <laughs> Yeah. I, no, I mean, you you totally know what I mean. Working on tall ships means every time you see a tall ship in a movie, you know just how wrong it is <laughs> and how true. they screwed it all up. And all you see are like all of the things that are completely wrong um and uh i do the same thing with video games is when i watch a video game all i see are the bugs all i see are the things i would work on and the things i would fix because well that's your job um and it's really hard for me to sit back and enjoy it like a player um so, so yeah I be, be prepared if you want to do video games
2: i have yeah. a, a somewhat so, distracting yeah. question on that note then like what do you feel about something like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven? How does that like as a as a game designer like, react? Like, how does that make you feel to like see something like that happen?
3: Uh, um, it's tough because I know the amount of work those guys have put into it, and I know the amount of love they've tried to have happen. Um, and it it's a it's it's there's there's different groups. There's a bunch of games that. Uh, are insanely fun that valve could never ship um, like skyrim uh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff you can do in that game and it's so much fun and it doesn't matter and if you want to get hypercritical you can pick it apart uh, pick it to death and the reality is you know they they made their choices and their choices were a bunch of stuff and put a bunch of stuff in the game and let the players have fun and th- it's a trade-off. It's tough. It's tough shipping a game and it's tough letting go of a game. Um, I don't know the specifics of I've not played Cyberpunk 2077. I've been reading about it online. Um, and uh, I feel for those people a great deal. Um, and I'm just super happy that a lot of people are having fun with it. Um, one of the, that's the, oh, that's the, you want to talk about the parts that you don't like on video games? that's what I had to learn early on, which was, I remember at one point, I was just reading everybody bitching and hating on Half-Life and just like how bad it was and oh, the worst ever and how we were all stupid and horrible. Um, and then at some point I realized, um, you know, I remember our, our publisher did a big survey and they found 95% of the people who played the game said it was good to excellent 4% said it was 4 and 1% said it was bad, poor. Um, and so I realized, you know, you ship a million copies, that's 10,000 people who think you suck um, and who are perfectly happy of telling you how how horrible you are. Um, and so at some point I had to get to the understanding of like, yeah, there's 10,000 people who think we did a terrible job. And, you know, that's okay. Um, and at some point you have to get, comfortable with the fact that not everybody's going to like it. And I got to that when we got to that 95% stage, I'm like, you know, that's really good. I'm really happy with 95% yeah, not nice think I'm going to get 100%. <laughs> you know, and yeah. and at some point you're going to have 10,000 people who 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 think you're you're terrible and you just got to live with it. Um and so that was the first that was after shipping half-life 1. That was this huge revelation that it took quite a while to get through reading the forums and understanding I could ignore, you know, ignore it or ignore a lot of it. Um, You know, i look for real bugs, but for the most part, I just have to accept the fact that it's not for everybody. In 2077, I I always look at it the same way, which is the people who don't like it are certainly going to complain and they're going to be loud. And you're going to hear them far more than the people who are playing it and having fun. So unless it's something super egregious, um, there's been some disastrous games that have shipped in the last 10, 20 years. Uh, But for the most part, I kind of look at it all with that grain of salt. I I kind of like understand of like, okay, I'm just going to hear the people who don't like it and I'm going to, try to balance that with the folks who do and really see what the problems are and if the problems are fixable then i'm not super worried about it um i know it'll be fixed in time it's the industry's weird and shipping games is weird yeah, i certainly 2020
2: is weird yeah. I, I certainly hope it gets fixed over time because currently i i still only have the ps4 and that's so so for clarification for anyone who might not know, because I saw yeah. the looks on Hope and Rosie's face when I brought up Cyberpunk 2077, they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I googled um, it, yeah. <laughs> it's so it, it's this um, new game. It's it's an open world shooter, or whatever. Um, and it got pretty massively hyped. Um, it has Keanu Reeves in it, um, so everyone was like, "Oh, so cool!" And it, they were, the company was hyping it up a lot. Um, and it got released. Um, that uh, one of the jokes was they kept pushing it back. They kept pushing it back. They kept pushing it back cause it wasn't ready. Um, so then I think I personally think part of the reason it got released when I did was because of pressure from the people who wanted the game. But so it got released in two versions. Um, the PS five, the newest generation of the console, mm-hmm. but like PS five, Xbox, uh, one version. And it got released for a previous gen console. So like the PS four, um, things like that. Um, and the big controversy behind it was that the PS5 version the, the the next gen console versions were excellent like they got you know 9 out of 10 scores they got great ratings and the PS4 versions were essentially unplayable they were oh, no. buggy to the point that you couldn't do anything mm. like uh and CD Project not, Red got a lawsuit because of it. They're not um,
1: inexpensive games. Right?
2: No, these are like yeah, these are like $60 um, mm-hmm. games and they can get up to like $85 sometimes even with like mm-hmm. premium content editions and so people a lot of people who, you know, um couldn't afford or couldn't manage to get their hands on a PS5 and tried to play it for PS4 were notably and understandably pissed because they got a game that was unplayable. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, that's super um, disappointing. In the, That's the publisher's fault. Um, I'm going to be really blunt. Um, One of the reasons Valve was able to do what we did was we self-funded. And so our publisher couldn't force us to ship. We delayed Half-Life. Like we did this first version of Half-Life that was done in 95. sorry, 97. And it wasn't good. (laughs) Um, And we told our publisher we weren't going to ship it. And they got all upset, and we're like, "Tough, it's our money. Well, what are you gonna do? Not pay us the money you're not paying us?" Um, and so we held it back for a year and finished it. It was a slog to get Half Life done, but we did. And same with Half Life Two is we, because it was we're self-funded, uh, and we just basically didn't pay ourselves anything. Um, um, we paid the people who worked, and people like me. I lived with my brother in his basement and it was fine. And, you know, the, the rest of, you know, Gabe didn't get paid. Nobody got paid um, because we saved every penny we could for game development. We just gave it an extra year at least. Uh, and even even other games, all of our games, Portal part 2 um, and all of those were like, these aren't ready yet, but it's our money, so we're going to wait. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But for the most part, it's... Because we had total control, we were able to do that. It's when publishers, like like I, I do not fault the team that tried to port it to the PS4. i, I they did it, you know. It's the person who shipped it, and that's where the fault is. Because um, those are really hard problems. You know, the the folks who are porting to an older console is that's a really hard problem, and it may have needed an extra year. And it, if they didn't get it, then it shouldn't have shipped. But it's not the fault of the guys doing it. a whole team of people working really hard, uh, it's a publisher. So that's my thing. Yeah. But I'm not in the video game industry. I'm not speaking for anybody officially. Me personally, Ken
0: sitting
3: at home. That's an important yeah. thing yeah. to... Just, just sort of super clear here for, for people who watch and, it. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, and
0: I'll put in um, at the beginning sort of a disclaimer that's like he's not working in the yeah. industry. This
3: is for... I'm, talking I'm, about I'm retired. Thing. I am yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm retired. I am out of the industry. I, I am not officially on any... Official, yeah, and,
2: and on a positive yeah. note, I mean, I, no. I do genuinely hope it gets better both for <laughs> selfish reasons and because of the reasons you mentioned but and there i mean there are histories of games that were shipped before they were ready and um were terrible and buggy at first and then over time you know there were patches there were notes they had the time to fix it went back in and fixed it so hopefully cyberpunk can be one of those games <laughs> but i think yeah. we'd have to wait and see.
3: yeah it's incredibly difficult shipping a game is is incredibly difficult um you would think how hard could it be you just play it and then it's it's fun you ship it no 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 it's it's a million little things and it's um like i said that's why i like hiring people or liked hiring people that had shipped because if you try to tell them how hard it is before they've shipped they will (laughs) never believe you uh but once they've shipped their game they totally get it and you don't have to explain it um it's
0: yeah. I yeah, mean, there's like, it's like people who come on tall ships and they're like, oh, I found a better way to la 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 la. And you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, there's been lots of people. This is literally technology from hundreds of years ago. Like, people have been trying to perfect it a long time. It You didn't find a better way. <laughs> like, uh, but let's, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I did want to ask, and and this is for this is a more selfish thing because uh, my my nephew right. Marcus, who um, who Hope and Griffin have met, actually is super into video game designing, and I never have any idea of what he's talking about. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was wondering. Like, what kind of education should an aspiring game designer get? What would be useful? Um, And then also, are there resources for, um, like, kids and teens uh, to maybe kind of, like, facilitate that? Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's never been easier to make a video game. There are dozens of good platforms out there. I could give you their names, but then it's as though I'm endorsing yeah. them. Um, okay. To be honest, I use them myself to screw around at home. It's absolutely fun. It's it. I I can't believe how quickly I can get something up and running just on my own versus how long it used to take way back when. Um, uh, the, the thing... You will have to know how to program, but programming is, unless you're going to be like a systems mm-hmm. programmer, programming is just a tool you're going to use. Whether you're a writer or, a, or an artist or a painter or whatever, sound designer, you're going to need a little bit of programming. So go do that. All of our writers at Valve learned to program a little bit uh, because they would end up writing these fancy scripts that did fancy things and they learned a simple <laughs> language. Write, you know. So learn a bit of that um become comfortable with a computer in terms of programming if you want to um, but the main thing is is learn how to look at things differently um uh be uh, I, the the best training i had was i had a, a, I went to school way back when for electrical engineering computer science and uh i became a really you know I' pretty good at it <laughs> not the best but i'm pretty darn good at it um and at one point i realized like wait a minute i'm the world's best hammerer. i can hammer anything what do i hammer um and so that was sort of a weird thing where i realized well okay i can do all this graphic stuff but it looks terrible um why and so i went back to school and got an art degree um because it taught me how to look at things in a different way and i'm going to tell you the best training i had was doing charcoals and doing art you know with my fingers um and doing art history and art critique um i mostly did when i you know i'm I'm, I'm not an artist at all uh but i got to the point where i could speak it and i'm a decent art critic um and what that gave me then was tools to speak to the artists and to talk to the artists and the musicians and the creative folks who, who, you know, are amazing. Uh, and I can translate now between art and computers and that's my job at valve was, was that (laughs) I worked mostly with artists, um, because I speak both languages. I can talk to the artists in their language and I can talk to the computer guys in their language and I can write the code. Um, and so that's kind of my job, but, uh, don't be afraid of taking a class, you know, a dance class or an acting class or a creative writing class or any of those things. are going to add a bit of flavor and a bit of deeper understanding to what you can do. Uh, and if you want to be a small team and work just on yourself, you need to be really good at most everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. learn how to paint, learn how to draw, learn how to, you know, learn how to write uh learn how to play an instrument um seriously uh we would look for a t-shaped individual um uh which which for us meant you had a great deal of depth in one one field you were an absolute expert in one field but you also had a decent coverage in most everything else if i <laughs> found a a painter who could also code while well, they were interesting, or if I could find a musician who could also animate, or if I could find somebody who could do two things, maybe one amazing and a couple others pretty good. Like that person was super exciting to me. So if you want to be a game designer, you need to be multi-talented. You need to be have a pretty broad background. So do do not go down too deep in one field you can if you really want to but be prepared that to really be excellent you have to be good at a bunch of other things so i'm an engineer who understands art and then we'll have artists who understand writing and then Mm -hmm. we'll have you know musicians who understand design um and and that's that's really what you want to do and and yeah so basically
2: you're (laughs) saying To be a good game designer, it would be good to have kind of a vague knowledge of everything.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
3: Ooh. You
0: tied that in really well.
3: What a great segue. (laughs) Yes. Seriously. Having a vague knowledge of everything is critical. Um, And having a a good appreciation of just how hard, how hard everything is. Man, I try to, every once in a while, I remember at Valve, I would try to do some art and, it was so embarrassing. Um, uh, I did actually ship a little bit of animation and a little bit of here and there, but, Oh my God, I'm terrible at it. Um, and the people we hired were so much better at it than I was that, uh, I just stuck to what I did pretty well. Um, uh, and I'm I'm a better systems designer than I am much, much of anything else, to be honest. Um, but, uh, uh, you, you got to find people who are T-shaped and we, we used to talk about that a lot. And that, so if you sh- we see a resume and it's, it's, yeah, it's super focused, not nearly as interesting as one that yeah. has broader. That makes me
1: feel so much better about being a, somebody who has an English degree and then went on tall ships and is now studying social work. Cause I was like, who's going to want to hire me? Like yeah. what
0: am I doing with my life? But now oh. I'm like, I'm T-shaped. Yeah. That's what there you go. That's, <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. I think a lot of us are going through that kind of stuff. I mean, like, I like I cooked on tall ships for over ten years. And actually, when I met Ken, I wasn't even a cook yet. Mm-hmm. That's how far back yeah. that goes. That's when I was a deckhand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I did that, and I have all I have random hobbies. I'm picking up like historical sewing and costuming and stuff, and like uh, lock picking is
3: a thing I've been interested in. So I'm just
1: it's like, not- this <laughs> is great. <'Cause>,
0: yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, you know to, to, to be perfectly blunt if you go into making a game and it's just a copy of something else uh odds are it's not going to be as good and nobody's going to care um you come into a game with your own unique talents and your own take on something and that's going to be your statement and if it resonates it's going to resonate big and so well, that was half, uh, no, When we did Half-Life, we didn't know if anybody was going to like it. Um, we were making the game for us. We were making the game that we wanted to do. Uh, I had enough of a background in, in in art and drama and the rest of it that I knew how I wanted the characters to behave. And everybody else in the game had their own things and pushed it in ways... I just learned early on that good ideas come from everybody and anybody. Um, uh, uh, I remember one of the critical parts of Half Life uh, was uh, it's where all the characters talk and interact with you. And uh, we had a we had an animator, and he went to the musician or the the, the audio guy and the audio and said, "I want the characters to lip sync." And the audio guys were like, "Oh, well, it's super easy to to you know find them talking, but like making their mouths move would be impossible." Uh, and then he would come to me and say, I want them to lip sync. And I'm like, well, it's really easy to make their mouths move, but finding the audio would be impossible. <laughs> and so he basically pushed him off. And I'm literally one day, I'm, I'm making fun of him to the musician. And I'm like, oh, I and mean, he came with the stupidest idea. Um, and and I said, yeah, and then he said, blah, 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 blah. And, and the you know, the audio guy just looked at me and like, wait, you mean you can? <laughs> and I'm like, what? you can and very sheepishly i realized i was making fun of somebody who had a brilliant idea um and you're just connecting
0: dots that hadn't
3: (laughs) it's connecting dots and so be prepared to connect dots and be prepared to listen to everybody on your team they might have a good idea it might not be perfect i mean some of the best ideas I've quote unquote I've ever had was I would say something in a meeting and the other person would misinterpret it and say it back to me. And it was (laughs) way better. (laughs) I would always just go like, Um, exactly what I meant." Yeah. um, And, and just be prepared to listen and be prepared to let ideas percolate and grow. And good ideas can come from anybody. And I learned that really quick. Um, and just uh, d- don't get too protective of them and just yeah. let them grow. Let them sprout wherever the, they're from. The
1: creative process is definitely letting go whenever an aspect isn't working and being okay with letting it go. And then also being open to other people being like, this part isn't working and I think you should do this. And you being like, you didn't think of this. You don't get a say. And then instead of being like, oh, yes, I see what you're talking about because I can take a step back from this thing. That is not a
0: part of my body, so I can let it go.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of them Um, are...
0: So um, let's just, sorry, we're running a little low on time um, no, <laughs> just for the end. So I wanted to, <laughs> um, is, I wanted to just uh, add in here. So the, the way that I got in touch with, with Ken was through uh, Instagram uh, because, you know, we're linked up on social medias and stuff. And I remember going there with the, the idea to say like, oh, might he be interested in doing an episode with us about video games? And then I went to his Instagram and I was like, there's a lot of horses here. Is this the wrong? Did my memory not happen? What's going on here? So, do you want to um, talk a little bit about what a retired game designer does at this time?
3: Uh, literally, uh, so I've been afraid of my afraid of horses most of my entire life. Um, uh, my Griffin's first interaction of with a horse
2: I hate <laughs> horses. I don't like them. Probably about
3: 11 years old. Uh, when I got knocked unconscious with the first horse I ever walked up to um uh it was was totally my fault i had had tufts of grass in both hands and it ate one tuft of grass and then it decided to get to the other tuft of grass the fastest way to get there was through my head um and so i sort of woke up on the ground uh it's probably about 11 years old i'm guessing um anyway so i've been terrified of horses my whole life and uh, a bunch of stuff sort of came down with covid uh, you know you're supposed to be trapped, right? And so it's like, what am I going to do for the next months of my life? Um, and uh, you know, uh, they, 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 there is the like I can't do most of the athletic stuff that I do because of that six foot rule, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, and I'm realizing, hey, wait a minute, I've got two feet, and horses have four feet, so that's six feet, right? Oh my God, this totally works. Um, thank you. So much. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and so no, it's literally like, I have a bunch of opportunities. I had a ton of things coming all at once of like, you should learn how to ride a horse. Uh, and I had a bunch of invites of a trip across Mongolia and a uh, horseback riding in Africa. And I'm like, I couldn't go on them. Cause like, I, I'm terrified of horses. So I decided, okay, I'm going to get over my fears. I'm going to conquer something and it's, it's physical. It's outdoors. I don't have to be near people because I'm sitting on top of a horse. Um, this let's try it. And, uh, yeah. So now I jump horses and they are not at all what I thought they are. They are giant puppy dogs who are 1400 pounds. Um, and they're the, (laughs) they're the best things ever. Uh, it's so weird. Um I am not a horse person and now I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I didn't have this, to this is
0: become unafraid
3: like uh, this guy did. I don't know about that. <laughs>
0: So this is actually particularly like a cool note to end on um, or like we we don't have to end on it if we don't need to, I guess we have maybe 10 more minutes, but, um, (laughs) but it was, but it was pretty cool uh, to connect that because uh, Hope has talked previously about wanting to work at a place because she's uh, going to school for therapy uh, to become a therapist. And uh, there was a place that offered therapy with horses and she was like, oh, that would be so cool to go there, but I can't because Griffin's afraid of horses.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, man, the, um, Griffin. In your defense, uh, horses uh, are psychic. They know exactly <laughs> what you're thinking you get and feeling. <laughs> you cannot lie to a horse. You can have whatever you want to say out loud. Horses don't understand well, English. They really don't. That's... They understand your. They understand motion. They understand emotion. Um, and so literally I'm sitting on a horse and the horse is acting weird. And I'm trying to like not look like I'm nervous and like, it's not working. Um, and so finally the trainer just yells, you have to relax. And I'm like, I am relaxed. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not relaxed. Uh, and I'm trying to fake it and like, it's not working. And so it's finally like, okay, I need to just project calm through my entire body
0: to meditate on top and of the horse
3: <laughs> I, you have to meditate while riding. um so i decided okay so i did and it's like i'm just gonna project calmness through my entire body and the horse just stops fidgeting oh, wow. it's just perfectly calm and i'm like how did you know that i'm not doing anything that's why, um, that's why that's, that's, equestrian
1: therapy is supposed to be really good because you have to like be in tune with yourself in order to be in tune with the horse make it okay
3: and you cannot lie to a horse. you cannot lie, so to, you can't horse. lie to yourself. You, it knows. You can't say, like, no, like, it doesn't. It it Like, and it, it's the craziest things are like, I don't even know why the horse, how the horse knows I want to go that direction. Um, it just sometimes just does. Uh, it's the craziest thing. And uh, a bunch of other stuff I learned about horses and I, I, I can't recommend. It's like, you know, tall ships. I'm not, I wasn't super comfortable with heights. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do tall ships. I'm going to crawl out on that beam and I'm going to get, okay, the spar. Sorry. I'm using all the wrong terms. It's been so long. Don't cringe. Um, but, um, it's the, and that was, that was a whole part of it. And, uh, and horses have been my new tall ship. So, yeah. Nice.
0: Cool. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Okay.
3: Uh, it's great seeing you guys and uh man i miss the tall ships um uh hopefully <laughs> our internet's connection is still here i miss the tall ships i miss the camaraderie i miss folks working and 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 uh you guys really learning a ton of stuff about the importance of getting things done and and depending on each other uh and that's what uh, i really watched and, and and met some amazing folks um, if anybody has ch- chance to volunteer on a tall ship once the world becomes the world again and stops being this crazy thing um, in the before times, um, <laughs> you know, tall ships were great and soon uh, when we win the lottery and or COVID disappears, we can get back on. And if somebody wants to volunteer, I highly recommend it. It was the best time of my life. It's been super amazing. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I it. wouldn't be surprised oh. if we uh, reach out again and ask for a part two of this because I have a million more questions now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, always happy to talk video games uh, and and the process. Um, uh, I, I lived it for a long time, so I uh, 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 have seen a ton of amazing folks come through come through Valve, and the industry changed completely from when it started and when I started in it. Way back when, even in '96 to you know 2016, and now it's even different. Um, so it's a it's a pretty dynamic, interesting place.
0: All right. So
3: do you
0: have another question? Cool. Right. cool. Yeah. Yeah, Griffin.
3: So, do, you <laughs> do you have anything else?
2: Nothing I can fit in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So. I will definitely be down to do a part two because yeah, I do have a million more, but <laughs> yeah. I I can't fit just one into
3: into five minutes of conversation. Thank
1: so. you so much for coming on our little
0: yeah. Thank podcast. you so much. Like
3: yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm super happy to see you again, Rosie. It's yeah, been forever. You too. Uh, it's been way too long. Good to see you. Good to see you uh, uh, all healthy and happy. And uh, uh, give me a holler next time uh, you got a yeah. You got a hole in your. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll do.
3: All
0: right, cool. I think I'm going <laughs> to press the stop now.